Hello, hello, hello. This is the Mental Threads Podcast, episode 117. I am here with Harrison Horn, if you'd like to say something. What's up, y'all? Harrison Horn. Um, from Atlanta, living in Charlotte about four years. Um, my first ever podcast, so I'm, I'm actually excited to be able to lend my opinions, my voice. I'm going to try to keep it very professional, hopefully not controversial. Um, you know, just keep it with the theme, so... Yeah, keeping it within the themes and stuff of that nature. Uh, me and Harrison uh, met off digitally off the 24-plus group chat, which I really interviewed a lot of other people uh, from that group chat into this podcast and everything of that nature. And would you, mind me telling you, how did you end up in that group chat? Because I can't remember how I ended up. How did I end up? Probably, well, from what I found out in Charlotte, Charlotte is, like, very small, especially when it comes to, like, the black culture. Uh-huh. So I think I probably met someone that actually, no, I actually take that back. We actually had another group chat before that, but you know, people became petty and things like that. So they created a, a, another group chat. And of course, you know, I, um, was in it. Um, I think the original group chat actually started off of Facebook, uh, Mm -hmm. probably like somebody black singles in Charlotte or something. We just all decided to do a group me so that it could be a little bit more flowing when we have our conversation. So from then, you know, it just started to, you know, the group chat, we add members and people get kicked out. So, Well, I've been on my best behavior, to be honest. I, I wish I could be more, you know, uh, into it more because it's just like, you know, it'd be hard to get do it all group me for some reason on my phone. It doesn't really notify me when people talk as much as they used to, you know. I sort of like, every time someone will message, it will let me know. Now it's just like, like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's like 10 or 20 messages. Like, oh, really? And so now it's like, I got to periodically check in with that group chat, like, on my own. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it just be like, it'd be a whole lot. Like, I have to remember everything. Like, oh, snap. I haven't spoken to this group chat in a while. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I feel like one thing in my 20s I realized is just like a lot of, I think I'm building more connections through these uh, group chats and through social media than I would in like real life and stuff of that nature. Would you say it's just kind of like a transition between the uh, generations? I know, uh, how old are you right now? 33. Oh, really? You're 33? Okay. I would have never assumed. I would have thought maybe you're like 29, maybe uh, 27 at the youngest. Or... Appreciate that. Black don't crack. Yeah, black definitely doesn't crack. <laughs> uh, but I would say there is a difference, uh, especially since I work with students, especially kindergarten, fifth, they're way more advanced than what I was in because they grew up in it. You know, we started that transition, but they're actually like, like just engraved in it. Um, the things they can do, the things they know, which is kind of like a double-edged sword because technologically-wise, they're advanced. But what more technology brings, you know, I feel like the kids know too much. You know, I feel like they're they're being exposed to adulthood faster than we were. Um, And that's a problem because they see other kids and maybe what they have. And, you know, I work in the Title I school, so a lot of the kids actually talk about the things they don't have versus what they see the kids that, you know, probably live 10 minutes down the road have. So I, I think it does cause, you know, problems when it comes to their self-esteem, their social-emotional, um, you know, they, they might feel they have to, like, you know, work three times as hard and try to get what they have because somebody's mom and dad is rich versus their mom and dad are um, working, you know, two, three jobs I still don't have. So I think there is a age difference, an age gap when it comes to technology. Um, I do believe that the next generation coming up is going to be is going to be the, the the generation that really breaks that that ceiling when it comes to what we can see. You know, like the Jetsons and stuff like that. You know, flying cars and you know cars on top of water. I believe that's still going to be the generation. 
Yeah, honestly, let's not hope flying cars comes for like another 100 and 200 years, to be honest, because I don't know, like people can't even drive now. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, flying cars. I don't know. That's that's a little bit scary. You know what I'm saying? But I see your observation. I know you say you're a counselor and everything. Uh, you don't want to disclose what school, right? You just want to just say that like, you're a counselor. I, I, I keep for, you know, confidentiality, but it's it's um on the south southeast side of, uh southwest side of charlotte so okay is it a predominantly black school or is it it's, just kind of mixed up it's actually a predominantly hispanic school which is like a big culture shock to me because i've only been around black people you know all my life like okay. this is this is actually let's see this is actually the first time i've actually been like the minority in, in my my a my workplace mm. my school i mean even when i was in um after i graduated um, I worked at a company that had majority black workers. Um, and then again, I worked at, in the when I went to grad school, I worked at a place that was kind of mixed. So this is my first time actually being a minority, being a black, first being black and also being a black male. But also I'm a majority minority anyway because of um, me being a black male counselor. There's not a lot, I mean, there's not a lot of male counselors, but it's mm-hmm. a black male. So it's, it's, it's really a culture shock because now I'm only a minority there in that realm. But I'm also, you know, the cultural differences in Hispanic, like Latin and Hispanic uh, cultures. It's, it's a culture shock, but it's majority Hispanic. And then our next um, highest demographic is black. Yeah, no, that's really, really cool, man. Like, seriously, because um, I'm from East Side Charlotte. So I'm actually pretty much... Um, I'm used to like Hispanic culture and black culture and everything to more home degree. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like my folks had pushed me to go to predominantly white institutions, usually in Ballantyne area, Charlotte, that's in South Charlotte, um, or just stuff of that nature. And I would say it was kind of hectic, especially for me, um, cause I only had like one black male teacher, uh, I think throughout my whole tenure there and everything. I didn't get my first black male teacher until middle school and everything but when i went to like you know i know you say you uh, pretty much graduated from like uh, hbcu when i went to like uh north carolina central and you uh graduated from uh, albany state just want to put that out there um i feel like that's when i really reinvigorated myself uh, not only as a student but as an individual you know um that's when my grades was like at top tier like i i only had like two c's throughout my whole time and everybody on that it was just a's and b's throughout my whole tenure at north carolina central university and everything i, I graduated come live and stuff uh, and it was a predominantly uh black institution you know what i'm saying so it's just like uh what would you say is like the importance in regards to like uh for black kids and everything to kind of see like uh, a black teacher or black counselor or black principal just stuff of that nature how important is it, what do you think that is to like a kid's development um i would say and this is something that i, I guess might i won't say it's controversial but i would say that coming from my perspective it was it wasn't anything special for me to see a black because I've only had black teachers. It was actually more like intriguing to see a white teacher mm-hmm. at my school. You know, um, in elementary, I had black teachers. Middle school, my middle school, I, I went to Martin Luther King High School, but mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was an annex school. So from seven to 12th grade, I had nothing but black teachers. And I don't know. I really don't know how to answer that question, but I guess from my perspective, I think it's a good thing because, you know, a lot of the the, the black students that we have, you know, they, they especially our black boys, they you know they reach out to me all the time. Like they 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 love talking to me. You know, it's like they they when they see me, they're like, oh snap, Mr. Horn, hey Mr. Horn. Like I feel like a celebrity when I walk through the school, especially. 
But I think it's very important. I do believe seeing that representation, but also I think seeing that good representation. Um, one thing I can say about my school is that the that the, the fathers are involved, especially the the black fathers. You know, if I call a you know, if I call a mom, mom will say, I only call his dad. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's, I, I hate to, you know, I, I don't want to sound like it sounds stereotypical, but, you know, seeing that, it's like, okay, these fathers here, and these are my generation, of, my generation of uh, people that are around my same age. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's very good. I, but to answer your question, I think it's important. I think it's very important to see because they can see that we are in a professional realm. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, there are situations where a lot of the, the, the black role model or the black guardians that they do have are kind of, I'm not going to say problematic because I think like anybody can be redeemed, but, you know, it's not in the best light. So Not the most, like, positive. Yeah. yeah. So, and with that is, you know, I, I take that role, you know, if a child doesn't have a, a father figure or don't have a role model, I definitely take that role serious. So I think it's important to see. Uh, I wish, you know, we'll see more in my school, but, you know, that's it's a teacher shortage everywhere, so that's that's it's kind of hard to even get to that that part where you can see more. But we're I, I can't say my principal; she's definitely trying to push to get more uh, black representation um, into the schools. Oh yeah, sure. That's uh, yeah, most definitely. Thanks for that quote right there, um, because I, I feel like it is very important, you know, uh, really. Because I feel like I feel like my life would have been in a much different trajectory uh, or more positive. I'm not saying like oh my life was so shitty, 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 um, but I feel like there was a lot of stages in my life where things were like you know thrown out of whack and everything. I feel like a lot of that because I never had that support uh, from whether it would be a black male or a black uh, woman, a teacher, and everything. I feel like that would have really affected my life. More more positively as opposed to like you know a lot of the um, discrimination I had to feel uh, discrimination I had to face at a young age um, and everything I feel like you know uh, black teachers especially male teachers uh, are more respondent and more understanding and would actually want you to win you know as opposed to like those are just like oh you cheated on that paper you did this you know what I'm saying you know, like I didn't really rediscover myself until I had nothing but black teachers. Like I had a couple of white teachers in college too, and everything uh, working at HBCU. And I'm not trying to like you know put them anywhere, but it's like they were helpful. Also, all of them were very helpful. But to have a predominantly black you know institution supporting you and help mold you and grow you, you know, it's like that's why I take supporting HBCU so serious because it was such a it was such a positive turn for my life, you know. And it's okay. just like you know, I just wish that you know, like even though there might be black kids. I might be in a situation like, oh, maybe I might not be able to grow to be this or I don't want to be stuck in this. You know what I'm saying? I might not have it like, you know, where I can actually reach that level. I feel like, you know, we should push more for education like at HBCUs more often so they want to go to school. I went to an HBCU where it was 80% women, 20% males, you know, which is like wonderful for us. But it's like at the same token, it was just like, you know, like that's really, really daunting that a lot of black, you know, boys don't end up growing to the point where they actually want to seek out their education. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's very concerning to me. What's your thoughts on that? Um, and I, I agree. I, I, I do feel like you know our black boys. You know, I don't, I don't want to say that our black boys don't want to go to college. I, you know, I think it's more so that colleges aren't aren't really putting our black males into positions to even you know have the the, they're not reaching out a lot to our black boys. Um, working as a counselor, you know, I have, you know, I've seen it. You know, they there's a lot of 
um, organizations that reach out to our um, our black girls, which is you know beautiful. I love to see it, but it, the, the reach to the black boys is like almost non-existent, um, and it's not. I don't think it's because there aren't you know male you know organizations that don't, but. I don't think that it should be from like just a small pockets of people trying to do it, trying to reach out to our black boys. Um, so when we see, you know, that, you know, that this support, this, oh, I can't even word now, this appropriate, I can't say the word right now. But um, when we see that skewed number of 80% women to 20% men, it's, it's seen, it shows and it's talked about as if our black men don't want to do better. But I think black men are seeing that they want to be educated, but the education system, especially black academia, isn't really for them. And so that's where I think the the conversation should go. It's, it's not, you know, why don't we see our, our men in college? It's like, what are we doing to supplement that? Because black men want to work. They want to be provided. They want to be. But they don't see college because a lot of times colleges and academia is kind of against, you know, our our black men. You know, they there's there's so many, you know, publications, you know, there's so many, you know, they don't feel welcome there, you know, even at HBCUs. So that's and it goes back to the, the, the question that was talking about, you know, seeing that I, I love seeing, you know, uh, more black teachers and black um, people into school system. But we also understand what how do they see our black boys? Um, there was recently I read an article that was talking about how uh, the education of black boys is almost seen as prison. Mm-hmm. We um, there were there was a study that said that the black women saw black boys as you know they, they were tougher on them and didn't give them that, that grace that they might need versus the white teachers who really didn't see anything. They, they basically said, "Oh well, you're doing your best," when they didn't even push them. Mm-hmm. So as a kid as a black boy you're saying like like I, I don't see the I don't see the benefits of education because this is what they're seeing like the, the educational um, navigation of black boys is is terrible they don't see the you know the the benefits in it and the ones that do see it those are the 20% that you see go to college but we're honestly doing a disservice and you know it's a disservice because it's it's systemic you know it, it we're not seeing our black boys as more then honestly, I don't know. Just we look, we push the outliers, but then we the people that aren't like you know the outliers. We're just saying you know just pushing them through, and then when it's time for them to graduate high school, it's like they have no goals and no focus. And I believe that it's systemic. Now, do I think that all teachers are not you know those teachers that are pushing, especially our black teachers, our black men and women teachers that they are doing it out of hate. I don't think so, but I think that that's a whole other conversation that it has that, you know, our black boys deserve the same type of grace, the same type of work that we see on their racial counterparts. So it's it's a it's a lot that needs to be done when it comes to our black boys education, because from the numbers, it just seems like we don't want to. But honestly, a lot of time when we, kids get to high school, black boys get to high school, they're not seeing the benefit of education because they've been almost tormented during their whole educational matriculation. So. 
Yeah, man, no, I felt that heavy when he stated that because, like, yeah, tormented, yeah, wasn't even in my case, man, isn't even like the word. Like, I swear, it's like, it's like, it's not just the word, it's literally like a whole lifestyle when it came to school. I saw school was just a big adversity. It's a place I get discriminated against, a place where I had to deal with all types of like mental, social, and emotional abuse. You know what I'm saying? I never saw school as like a sanctuary, like, very rarely until I went to college, like, you know, like community college, not so much because I was still in the same circles people I knew from high school so it just kind of got worse as opposed to when I went to like uh, North Carolina Central University where I thought I was just okay I'm gonna just party live whatever kind of college life but then like no I actually like was doing well in school not just doing well but excelling mm-hmm. and all because I had mentors I had, I had behind me uh, shout out to Mr. Sean Andrews and uh, Dr. Uh, Roger Keith uh, black men, positive black men, family black men who actually like wanted to like endear young black minds to actually like grow and progress in society, you know, and it's so like crazy that it's like, you know, like it's because like interacting with these two people, I want to go to grad school. I want to go to like, you know, get my doctorates one day, things that I didn't even like entertain at one point because I thought that I was so incompetent due to like, you know, uh, the environments that I had to grow into, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, you know, let's just say if we, like, have, like, a, a, a set of animals, like, okay, like, like a monkey, uh, ch- a freaking squirrel, uh, uh, a koala, and then, like, maybe a goldfish and everything in the classroom. And let's just say, like, okay, and then thinking and try to judge all uh, the animals of, of who's a genius by how well they can climb trees. That fish is going to go about his whole life thinking he's an idiot just because of one function. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's where it's just, that's kind of how I see it is within uh, us black kids and like this, in this system, really. As soon as like, there's something like, you know, you come from all these other homes that might have like, okay, uh, a two parent household, um, maybe a household that might have older siblings or uh, people that are able to like help them with their homework and their education versus ones that may not have that same support and are kind of ill prepared. Some excel, some don't. But it's, like, to really, like, a lot of these kids are usually, like, thrown down or, like, looked down upon in society. And then, like, you know, they never really get over that threshold. Very few do, you know. And I I would like to say, like, I'm glad I kind of... I'm getting through that threshold myself. But a lot of that had to do with the seeds implanted into me by my mentors and everything. Mentors who related to me. Mentors who understood the struggle. Mentors who come from where I come from were like worse than them could actually uh, mentor me to get through it. You know, that masculine energy. And it's so important within the black uh, development of black boys. And a lot of us have been emasculated, um, completely spiritually cut off, you know, essentially emotionally defeated, you know, by the time we even leave high school. So it's just like, it's so sad how it's just like the system works and that, but like we know how it is. Yeah, we never find a way to really, um, not to say reverse that, but find solutions to actually like, you know, better um, um, safeguard against that for black boys. So might you have anything in mind that, uh, that might really help or anything of that nature? Um, I think personally, the only way that you can have is that it has, like, it has to come from, honestly, getting out of the the way the American education system is. I'm I'm not a big fan of charter schools or private schools, but I do think that there needs to be a re-education of how we see black education. Unfortunately, because we are such a minute, you know, um, you know, population when it comes that we're not even seeing. Going back to your your um, 
your your uh your kingdom or your story that you just said about the the monkey the fish um and how testing I, I believe you know the testing is the worst thing that ever happened to american education system because it is it's i mean i remember growing up we took the hour test of basic skills that test was based off of people who i'm from georgia and like it's two different you know two different things you know luckily i had i was middle class so i, I was able to you know, socially, emotionally, and, you know, just financially, I was able to have what I needed to be able to test well. You know, I have kids that come here hungry and all they, all they can get is like a banana and a little bag of, you know, food. But every morning I had, you know, breakfast. My mom did it, my, you know, able to do that. So the only way I can see it changing, it has to be like almost a, a renaissance, right? And, and to, and, but the thing is, the way education here is really settled just for to get people to become basically good workers. It's not really, it's, it's really interesting that the people that are billionaires are the people that kind of like struggled in school because they probably saw that school was not, you know, the way that they was doing everything was, you know, just not cut and paste. They saw outside and they might got it wrong, but they always kept trying, you know? So I just think it needs to be, a, it has to be a renaissance of education. And I feel like that has to come from, I feel like black academia has to change this outlook on how they see education. You know, I think the way that the black America has to understand education is just not for just to push you to get a good job because everybody, if, if that's the case, everybody, you know, it's not going to happen that way. You know, I do believe everyone has to, the, I believe all the kids that come through has a, the ability to, you know, make something of themselves and to actually value education. I want them to value education. I love education, I think, but, what type of education it has to be a renaissance of change in the whole educational system mm-hmm. do i think it will happen where america is i honestly don't i honestly believe that it will not because the way the education system sets up it it is you know it's making them it's making people rich mm-hmm. um even i want to sound like a conspiracy theorist and it's really not a conspiracy the way that they're going about um the education system now, they're trying to make it basically only the people who can afford to go to school can go to school. And if you can't, you're going to be stuck in the, in the worst of the public education system where you're not going to get the things you need. So when I say that it's going backwards, it's getting worse, it really is. Like I, you know, this going into politics, the, the um, what's his name, the, the governor, the deputy governor, Mark Roberts, I believe his name is, he's, you know, he's been on record saying he wants to eliminate the whole board of education. He wants to be like one person that answers all the questions. That's going to be the most, that's going to be the, the worst shit ever. Um, it just has to be a new renaissance. I mean, that's the only way. There's, there's no there's no trick question. It's like until they, until America wants to see education as not just who we can get as to be our workers to make somebody else rich, it, it won't change. Um. Yeah, man, I feel like it's just... I feel like one thing that would definitely help, like, because, you know, you're a black counselor. So it's like, you know, you're, you're actually like, I feel like I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the car with a solution right here. One of the solutions is really we need to get more uh, people to get interested in, like, jobs within education. Definitely. Education, uh, mental health, that, that's the second one. Those are two main things I feel that's going to help. Uh, once we get more counselors and more teachers uh, throughout elementary school, middle school and high school, it will be nice to actually push like those predominantly black schools like where you pretty much grew up in you know i feel like we need more of that also um but i feel like that would also really really be a more of a positive impact for I sure di- I, I disagree in that and the reason why i disagree in that is because we're 
I know that we try to say we're integrating some places or not, but if you look at the the demographics of hell, look at the demographics of Charlotte, it's segregated. Mm. So there are schools with majority black teachers, mm. and unfortunately, a lot of times it's not better. And the reason why I say it's not better is is systemic. You know, uh, I, I we look at the funding. Mm. I mean, the funding is the biggest thing. I mean, the way that they that they fund schools is based off of your. Um, your 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 tax what your area so if you are a lower income it's based on your taxes so if you're low income you're you're not paying that much taxes because you don't have you're not you know you don't have that money so Which it's is bull crap is and it's bull crap it is so like literally the school I work at and if you go ten minutes down the road it's like it's a totally different type of school because they have a higher tax bracket mm-hmm. that's not fair mm-hmm. that's you know that's not equitable and. The teachers that are at the black schools, they're doing their best. I mean, I know they are. I mean, you know, I, I there's always, you know, rotten apples now, but they're doing their best to teach, you know. So, like I said, that's where that renaissance has to happen. They have to say, okay, we need to give everybody the same resources. Now, that's, would that happen? Like I said, I don't think so because it will take away, you know, the people who are making millions and millions of dollars from selling these all these curriculums to, to to close the gap and to you know help the, the the minority kids and all this stuff and they make money from it. I mean everything is a business and the only thing that people are suffering is our kids. Like they're they're even getting to the point where they're trying to take away social emotion. They're, they're calling social emotional you know curriculums woke you know woke curriculums. I'm like our kids are dying. You know, our black boys are dying. Our black girls are dying. There has been an uptick in this. And they're saying this is woke curriculum because we want to talk about this social emotional needs of our students. And the thing is, because and it is, it's crazy because the people who can afford to send their kids to, to um, you know, they, to these. I used to work in a psychiatric facility for children, you know, that had like really bad like mental health um, problems. The parents could afford the $800 a day. Mm to send them and to get the help. But what about the kids in my school? They can't afford that. They just got to go through and then, you know, they don't have what they need because people in legislation want to take away because they think it's woke, woke stuff, you know. We we see the the history, you know, as a black kid, if you only see one side of history, you're not going to, why would you want to learn? Why would you want to learn about this? When you, when your curriculum is based off of someone that's not even in your own environment, and they tell you you're not smart because you can't do what someone else do, that someone could do down the road because they have everything they need at home. Why would why would they want to say, well, I'm just not smart? I mean, I've had so many kids tell me that, that I'm not smart because they can't mm-hmm. follow the directions. That it's only it's it's like it's cookie cutter, and kids are not cookie cutter. So. Until they change that, and they won't because it, it it doesn't make sense. And I mean, dollar sense, not just you know, like you know, common sense. So that's why I say I push back. I mean, we have black schools that are like ninety five percent black teachers, and those black teachers are doing good work. You know, they're trying their best, but they know that they can only do so much because the system doesn't care, uh, and they refuse to care. So you feel like a lot of the issues come from a lack of resources, essentially, what you're saying. I 100 percent agree with a lack of resources. I, You know, we see and, and the reason I know it's lack of resources and we, we see these charter schools that get all this stuff. And I'm like, why are they getting all these things? And when you see it, then they get all this stuff they need. I mean, I, uh, if you watch Abbott Elementary, I, that's why I love this, that show, because it's like a representation. They're going against, you know, the charter schools now because they're seeing all this 
resources they get because of just being a charter school. They get funding. I'm like, why Why can't that school, why can't Abbey Elementary get that funding? Why are they struggling? Why um, is Miss, um, I forgot her name, the, the, the Italian teacher, why is she teaching second and third grade? Mm-hmm. That's wild. Like, that's a, that's think th- th- those things are happening. We actually have a classroom that's te- that has two teachers in one classroom mm-hmm. because they don't we don't have enough classrooms. Mm-hmm. So th- that's real life stuff. But if you go up the street, mm-hmm. another school has all the resources they need. Same in the same area. And I'm not even talking about the, the you know coming over here where South Park is. I because the school I'm talking about is up the street from where we're at right now. It's because they don't care. They don't want to. They they will. That's why I said we're still segregated, even though we're supposed to be integrated. And that segregation is shown. You can see it in the schools, in the home. Those are the two things. When you want to see where uh, segregation lasts, look at the schools and look at where the, uh, the, the houses are. Mm-hmm. And if you see it, then you understand know this shit is systemic. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. There is a sense of systemic uh um, patterns to it to a degree. I, I know I face it and this kind of affected me and my education to a degree um, because like my mom would put me on uh, the bus to go to South Charlotte to get my education because she believed that, you know, they, uh, that this middle school in Ballantyne Plantation would get like better resources for me to go to school and to learn better. Um, I've had cousins that went to Garinger, which is like known as like a very, you know, you know, yeah, I'm, you're really aware of what Garrett High School is, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, he still managed to still go to college. And now he like, you know, uh, goes to college at Western Carolina University and everything, you know, just off the jump. And like for me, I always struggled in predominantly white institutions because of the discrimination and everything. Mm-hmm. Me not getting the support needed and stuff of that nature. Um, and then it's just like the crazy thing is CMS literally cut busing off like my eighth grade year and everything to, to zone the, the different school sections off. And I'm like, even as a kid, I know, okay, there's something fishy with that situation. It's like, what benefit do you get from, like, not giving people, like, the freedom to go to whatever school they wanted to if they live here? They got a busing to get there, you know? Like, providing busing, which provided jobs, and now you're cutting that off because why? You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of strange to me. You know, it's just like just the, just the uh, extents they would go to to really, you know, section people off. And I feel like that's hella illegal. I never understood why that got a vote and stuff of that nature. But I feel like a lot of that might have been uh, racially motivated. Well, what's your thoughts on that? Of course, all of, all of this stuff was racially motivated. Um, hell, even when we were the kids uh, during COVID, the way that they were, you know, fighting to get kids into school is like, like this, the people that were fighting for it were... You know, the upper class, they say, we wanted the kids back in school because honestly, they, they didn't probably want to take care of their kids. I get it. But the issue is, is that now, you know, we have in my district, the parents have to go to work. You know, they got to do all this stuff. And if a kid gets sick, if they if they got to miss work, they have to miss work. And now they their children are left at the home alone. So it's I mean, all of this is definitely racially, um, you know, motivated is is racially, financially. It's, it's just a moral um, just detriment to our, our children. And I hate it because no one seems to care. They just in, I'm not going to say no one cares. We care, but it's like, what else can we do? We just got to keep pushing forward and trying to, you know, teach our kids the best of our abilities. And the best of our abilities is, is, is going to do, you know, well, but we also, you know, have to understand that, hey, we got to change the way we think about our students. Um, Especially in the school, I, I hear a lot of times how we, how teachers talk to their students. And it's like, yo, 
you understand all these kids have so much trauma like you're you're doing all this talking like this it shit doesn't help and because i don't have that type of you know you know authority to say hey yo chill i can say something but it, it just bounces out because i don't have that type of authority but it it's 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 so many different things that you know with and i feel like with all the systemic issues that's going on i think the one big thing that could help our children love school is to honestly be kind to them you know a lot of people a lot of times i've, I've even heard literally someone say you know that the kid is guilty until proven innocent and i'm like do you know how much that sounds? Someone, it was a TikTok that I just recently saw while I was doing my little TikTok um, binging. And they were saying how, like, why were kids fighting at 8 a.m. in the morning? And she broke it down because school was a prison. You know, the, the schools that they went to were prisons. It was like, you have to line up, you have to walk, you got to, you know, take, do all these things. You got cameras watching you everywhere. You gotta say you know yes sir no sir you know you if you if you do anything wrong you go into the ward and the principal mm-hmm. you know saying only things you can at least you can go home mm-hmm. and so it was treated like prison and so what happens when you're in that type of environment you lash out <laughs> you know that's the way it is and that's why you know the prison the school to prison pipeline is a real thing because honestly that's how it is it's manifested either you're going to go to work you might become a CEO, you might become something like that, but most people who do are CEOs really suck at school. I mean, they sucked at it. You know, they, you know, it's other things, but people who start from the bottom and created, they suck. They wasn't like the smartest. They had the more creativity, but a lot of times creativity isn't, you know, awarded. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot, you know, I, I can go hours and hours about, about the education system in America. We get to a point where I don't know when I finally have children, do I want to, you know, put them in public education? And I, it depends on, you know, when I have kids, I see how it's at. Because like I said, they're stripping a lot of, you know, resources for public education on purpose. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, the whole prison and pipeline comparison, you made a wonderful, a whole lot of points with that. Because, like, really, I had to face a lot of mess of discrimination. Like, I could even go, I could go on and on about my experiences from, like, school and everything and just all the shit I had to deal with and everything. From me being, like, you know, I don't like to use the term bullied and everything. I was basically harassed, essentially, um, because that's what kids do at that age. They just want to just uh, spread rumors and do all types of coward bullshit uh-huh. and everything. And then it's just like, you know, a lot of I was in a predominantly white school. There's only so much I can do about it when it's like nobody sticks up for me. No one really reports it. Just the year before my eighth grade year, there was a time of like I had a friend of mine, another black kid who had the, who was dating this one girl and everything who was like Arabian. And it's like this white girl called her a terrorist, um, which like, you know, very disrespectful, very racist, very wrong. Um, definitely not something to be supported. Uh, she repl- responded to her by recalling her a fat country hobo, which we thought was very funny. So we would just keep laughing. We thought it was hilarious because why would you disrespect somebody like that? And you know, for them to come back and do like that, it's just like she's not in the wrong. And they took us inside the principal's office to apologize to her. Why? I don't know. Like, it's just for laughing. You're going to get mad at us, the ones that aren't the ones racially profiled, saying, for laughing and everything which is like okay you don't want no one to be body shamed or whatever but we weren't the one disrespected we're just laughing the following year and every this my eighth grade year they uh, these kids used to spread rumors about me all types of weird stuff and everything and all 
these uh, the, all these teachers used to do was nothing. They didn't do anything. All the, these kids would say like, "Oh no, I didn't say that," and then their parents, like, "Oh no, my kid would never do anything like that." I got no support, nothing. This went on for months. These same kids uh, end up growing up to be getting in and out of prison and everything. And these are like, I don't want to be like, okay, they're like Caucasian or everything, but it's like, you know, imagine growing like in an affluent like community and everything. And you literally, you literally have all the privileges to do whatever. And it's like you mess around and just like you end up in prison anyway, you know? And it's just like, it really says a lot. I've never been arrested, nothing. Not because I'm above like being arrested or anything, because it could happen and everything, but a lot of it will have to be like people having to, uh, profile me or get me caught up or anything like that for something I didn't do or something. You know, I'm just saying, you know, God forbid if anything like that ever happens. Um, but it's just like, you know, I had to stay on the straight and narrow just because I get profiled anyway as a black male. I'm six foot one. I'm kind of, you know, kind of like I got to be careful how I react or what I do or if I get angry or how I respond and everything because like I could be profiled as being like aggressive uh, which is, or being a thug, which is really just a deviation of the term nigger, which is like, you know, let's just call it is what it is yeah. and everything. And it's just like, it's always like a maze, like even for me. Um, and then it's just like, you know, it's just, I could go through all of that and still become, uh, still seek out to get my education still be, still be a good citizen, still like focus on my goals and my passions and everything. And it's just like, you know, it's just like the kind of obstacles they set for black boys, especially like well, in, in, in these institutions and everything. It's, it's just insane. It's, it's insanity. Like how it's just like how this is not really like really, you know, studied, like how like, you know, this is really no different from prison and everything. Like really, like you're really putting kids in an environment of like adversity and trauma and toxicity and because your lack of like empathy for a child and everything because whether if it be like skin color or whatever race culture or whatever and you really malign them to the point where it's just like you know they have to carry those scars throughout their lives and try to really get in and out of counseling and try to work past it if if they don't it's like it's like they end up becoming like you know they be they end up becoming uh these these figures in society that end up in that system this constant loop of in and out of prison struggling and uh, and felon, felonious behavior mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature all because you chose to just break them down you know into that situation you know it's just it's really depressing how that's the reality of the situation um but it's like oh, what are your thoughts in regards to that um i mean there are studies being there's um there's a new I guess wave of studies called black male studies that I've been you know just interested in, um you know it, it talks about that it, it definitely starts speaking about you know what black males are seeing or what they're going through when it comes to you know so many different things I mean especially I, I think it's one of the great things because we always demonize the males, but we never look into why they're that way, you know, why this happening, you know, it's always a culture of, oh, this is rap and hip hop, but like, our our boys are not just growing up just doing it, I mean, like, there, there's, there's, we can always look at the problems of so many different demographics and come up with, you know, justifications on why this and why that and why this, but when it comes to our black males, it's a big thing of, they just feel like we're, we're just wired that way, I mean, it, it's, it goes back to our ancestors who were enslaved, mm-hmm. you know, there I, I can't remember the um, the uh, diagnosis right now, but there was literally a diagnosis that was given to black 
slaves that wanted to leave. They, they called them. They, it was a, it was literally a mental illness for them to try to escape to to, to go against the grain of society. Mm-hmm. And you know, we black males they they they're being put in so many positions. Now, I'm not gonna say that you know that every black male is the reason because some like we do. I do have you know people that have those same privileges. Mm-hmm that still struggle, you know, with, you know, things, but that's, that's like the outliers, but a lot of the black bills that you see that are, you know, in trouble is you look at the, the type of dynamics that they lived in and I'm glad they're studying it. I'm glad they're actually, you know, putting forth the effort to look into it because it's, it's a, it's an epidemic. I mean, there, there has to be a reason why it's just can be, oh, we're wired that way. You know, our black girls or they're wired that way. You know, it's, it's not true. So I I believe that you know that the way that that black boys are basically put into the jungle and then grow to be like men that unfortunately you know become what they call men of society. I think it needs to be looked at like why are it why is it this way you know it, it's just not we're wired that way we we're too but we're we're smarter. There's has been studies that show that black boys or black children in general that they develop you know uh, naturally than their racial counterparts. But what happened? What is happening when we get to a level where it's like, yo, why are they now, you know, always behind when it comes to education? You know, why socially, emotionally, you know, the social cues, why, it, what's happening? You know, I just think that it's because of what the, the where we're at, you know, what, what place we are. I mean, even when it comes to black, you know, wealth, wealth is going backwards, you know, it's going, it's trending towards zero. That's a that's a concerning because that is a re- one of the reasons why we have our parents that have to work two, three, four jobs, mm-hmm. especially black people. Mm-hmm. We got to work just to get get something. So there's studies being done. I, I I love reading you know a lot of them. You know there's been controversy between who's giving it, but I think that it needs to be studied. It needs to be studied in a way of how the system is hurting our black males, especially our black boys that turns our black men. Mm-hmm. You know. No, definitely, man. It's just, it's crazy, like, how this system works to really just, you know, break us down and stuff of that nature to the point where it's just are trying to malign us to the point where it's almost inhumane, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, like, it's just, it's sad and depressing, but it's like, we all know what this system is. Like, it's kind of been like this for a very long time. We were enslaved for 400 years at one point. Yeah. You know, as a people, like, it's just like, you know, I mean, I'm African and everything. My my country was founded by uh, American slaves, you know, Liberia, if you do the history mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature. I, I did read about that. I was, it was, it was interesting because uh, I've been like, ever since I, I did my DNA uh, ancestry, now, I've been like really un, like going back to my lineage. So it, it was, that's, it's really interesting. I, I do. Oh, really? What's your, what's your lineage? Just ask Shoot, I'm sorry. Um, I can I can actually let me pull this. I can give you to you, but because oh, I have yeah. it on. Oh yeah. yeah, you got the app and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, I spoke about ancestry and everything like on a previous episode. We we're just talking about stuff of that nature. Oh. So it's like to know that you actually did it. Actually, yeah, I did it. So. Don't mean the DVA, ladies and gentlemen, for the subject oh, no, you're matter. You're fine. So I have 30 percent Nigeria, 17 percent Ivory Coast, Cameroon, 17 percent Benin and Togo, 13 Scotland, 9 percent Senegal, 5 percent Mali, 5 percent Southeast Asia. England and Northwestern, one percent Wales, Ireland, uh, which is really interesting is uh, the Scotland because I, on my lineage, my um, going through the census, I was able to find a lot of my ancestors were categorized as mulatto. Mm. So that's what's probably that big, you know, Scotland, and then also 
Uh, also, um, my mother's maiden name Ferguson is is Scottish, mm-hmm. so that's that's an interesting thing. But um, yeah, it's it's uh this this a history of Liberia, you know, and Black Americans and Black American slaves. You know, that was a that was a, a big thing that I was reading about how they were trying to push, you know, the freedmen out to a different country, different area, which. I feel that it wasn't fair to the the natives of of what present day Liberia because it's like no they have theirs and also I they were trying to push them out because the freedmen were the ones that was able to like push these slave revolts. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it also if you actually look at history, Abe Lincoln he also wasn't just it wasn't just Liberia they were trying to push um, free slaves into Haiti into Panama. There was, there was actually a, a deal yeah. for them to go to Panama, but a lot of the abolitionists pushed back and said, like, like, don't push them out because you're scared they're going to revolt. You brought them over here. You need to either end slavery for everyone so they can be integrated into American society, but mm-hmm. you just trying to send them out is not fair. And I, I agree with it. I, I say like 50% agree because, like, I, I would have loved for us to have our own like country. Yeah. I mean Liberia is a country. I mean it, it's a black American country. It was found by black Americans for black Americans. It and it is, but it it was it wasn't it wasn't fair. It was it was more so it was like they kind of like made us the colonizers and it wasn't fair mm-hmm. because it, that's where the civil war happened. It, it, it yeah. just, I don't think it was fair. Two whole civil wars because yeah. of that. You know? and, and that's not fair to the country. It, it's not fair to the, to the natives. Like I don't think black Americans don't want to be colonizers. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's grown to a it's own country, but I, I do believe that I would have loved for us to have our own space that's un, you know, inhabited, but, also, America brought us over here to a slave trade. Don't try to kick out our free people because they want our other slaves to, you know, revolt. So that's the that's the reason why they was pushing out because they were like the free people were like pushed. The free people were working with abolitionists to like for, to push for the slaves to revolt, to push for end of slavery. And it's like, yeah. don't don't get scared now because you what's called. And then the funny thing about it, they also didn't want us to go because it, they knew that we were going to flourish. So they was like, should we give them land, a whole country, and let them flourish, or should we keep them here? So it's it's like a, a double edged sword. And I was like, I would love for us to have our own space, our own country. It was it was in in a space in Panama in the Caribbean. Yeah. I think that that would have helped benefit. Um, yeah. But also, I feel like America, you brought us over. You need to give us our rights and stuff. And I guess that even goes into, you know, the politics thing of how we're where we're at now. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, I mean, because Liberia was doing pretty well, like in the 70s and everything. So like, we're doing pretty, pretty good for ourselves. You know, I, well, I would have really wanted a lot of black Americans to relocate into Western Africa. I know they're trying to get their citizenship in Ghana mm-hmm. and everything of that nature. I feel like, you know, it's definitely something to consider now that you like have the technology. Now you can pretty much connect to whatever tribal. I know I saw on the list it said the Bantu peoples mm-hmm. and everything. And, you know, you can just to reconnect, you know, it's like you can, you can still carry that identity uh, within your American roots also. But just, you know, I feel like you know given a space where it's just like you know i feel like we need to really start uh building more relations between a uh, black american i mean the african diaspora as a whole and african peoples as a whole too you know because it's like you know we're all still the same peoples we're just spread out over the all over the place you know and we were travelers back in the day too you know like nomads traveling it was just it kind of came with it you know at the same time you know it's just like i feel like it would just be best to kind of just uh kind of heal from a lot of all the past traumas and all the issues 
with that to kind of help really rediscover our black identity in a more positive light. You know, I know we give it the reins up to Disney when it comes to just uh, doing the whole Black Panther movies and everything, which I love. I can't wait to go see the next Black Panther movie and everything because at the same time, we can't be reliant on just like, you know, all just the like, cartoon and the superheroes and everything. We really need to really build a sense of just, you know. Well, I think yeah. I think the I, I don't I'm not going to say I'll push back on that because I, I love the diaspora, you know, I, I you know, but I, I, I think when it comes to black Americans, we. I don't. I don't think that we struggle with our identity. Of I think. Not. I think the identity is is what's being sold is what people see, yeah. and that's and that's the that's really the biggest issue. Yeah. Um, it's the image and the media the and everything. It's, it's the media that sells Black American culture as just this one thing. So and trauma, especially yeah. with the Jeffrey Dahmer situation, yeah, like us stuff. being like victimized so so like uh, viciously and everything. It's just like you know Black trauma. I even spoke about how Black trauma is literally like put on display as like you know something to really dive into sink your teeth as seeing as just something just entertainment right. you know and that's where it just kind of gets there it's okay to like try to bring eyes something to bring education about something you know but definitely not to not to in a sense to sensationalize it you know what it, i'm saying it's, yeah it's, it's definitely trauma sensationalism and um and the um you know, in the media for, you know, black Americans. I mean, they just came out with the movie Till. I'm like, how many movies are you going to do about Emmett Till? I mean, I, you know, I, I know that we we know what happened. The woman, Carolyn Bryant, is still alive. She should have been prosecuted, but that's a whole other story. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I do agree that there should be, you know, more camaraderie between the, um, and the diaspora, but we also have to, you know, bring up the, the fact that, you know, the way that black Americans, you know, are looked upon by the diaspora is problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, when we see, when we hear these things, like, I know that I've dated, you know, like women from that are from West Africa. I've dated women that are from the West Indies. And I always ask the question, I say, how do you, what do your family think about black Americans? And it's always the same thing. They think that we're lazy, we're this, we have no culture, we have all yeah. these things. And it's like, it's really messed up because like everything that when people move here, they, and they, when you think of black culture, it's the only thing you think of is black American culture. And that's the, and it's, you know, it's like, it's kind of fear because like you said, we, when you're in America, the first thing they see is black. They don't, you know what it's called, but when you are able to separate, when it's separated, it's like, you know, we, we get the bad rap because we're like, like, dang, like, you know, we, we fought for, you know, the immigration act that we come over. We, everything we have that people are coming over here, we're able to, what's called, you know, and then when we hear we don't have culture, we're like, but I'm from, I'm from Atlanta. Atlanta is a culture by itself. If you're from a West coast, you have a West coast. If you're from the South where my family from Mississippi, that's a whole culture. You know, New Orleans, you know, I have family in Louisiana. That's a culture. People in New York is a culture, you know, so it's like, yeah. So it's like, when we say, you know, that when we say have no culture, it's like, yo, like you're disrespectful because I, because I think the biggest thing, the reason why they say it is because they think it's, it's American culture, but American culture would not exist without black people. Exactly. And so I think when... America wouldn't even, like, survive without black right. people. It would have just been, like, another... Like, yeah, offer. Yeah. And it would have been a failed project, to right. be honest. It would have just... A lot of these folks would have just died out after a while. Right. So the Native Americans would have just... 
nah, man, y'all got to get off. That would have just taken time. Like, you know, we literally, like, we're like the blood, we're the energy and the spirit of this country, the foundation of the people. And I know you spoke about things about just how, yeah, the images of, like, black Americans being seen as lazy and everything. Like, yeah, keep in mind, I'm Liberian. I had two African parents. And so and they try to push me in predominantly white schools because they thought, like, you know, that's where the positivity was. But I'll tell it to you from experience what I've learned and everything. The most hardworking people in this country are black people. I know it's just like people, oh, yeah, it's the Mexicans or the Asians. Like, yeah, they have things more organized and everything. Like Mexicans in the Latino community, they definitely had their strides and working hard. But really, like considering the traumas that we had to deal with for 400 years, having to fight for our humanity, our dignity, just to even like be equal was a fight, was a struggle. For us to be like un, uh, te- uh, like not us being changed now, we had to fight for that. Uh-huh. We had to deal with all types of unspeakable horrors and everything just in this country alone. All types of trying to work past the traumas, generational traumas, because traumas pass down for generations now, whether we want to go into discussion or acknowledge it or not. And we had to fight through that to actually build something. We built Black Wall Street. They burnt that down. Uh, we're trying to get through with the HBCU. That's why I try to push the HBCU so hard and everything. Some of the HBCUs closed down. Okay, pretty sad. There's plenty more. Plenty more they can dive into and stuff. And it's just like, you know, I feel like the 2020s are really going to be the time where people are, or a lot of uh, the African diaspora are really going to wake up and really like invest in themselves. And that's why education is such a very crucial part to really invest in. Because it's like if you, you know, without education, knowledge is very much uh, it's very much symbiotic with power. Uh The more you know, the more you're self-aware, the more you can be able to maneuver and get through society and everything. And I feel like the more like we we begin to rely on ourselves and invest in one another, black owned businesses, you know, stuff of that nature, education, HBCUs. Um, just finances in the sense, like you say, even wealth. We don't even have a whole lot of wealth build up. And then everybody else just kind of keeps their wealth in their community. I live on East Side Charlotte. You go down Central, ain't nothing but a whole lot of Latino businesses from uh, laundry mart, laundromats, uh, from even credit unions, uh, restaurants, dentists. Like, they, you know, it's a whole street with none of that. Grocery stores. Like, why don't we have that? And it's just like, it's, I know they got a lot of that in Atlanta, though. But it's just like, you know, why isn't it just all over the place for us? I mean, really, honestly, and I would say, you know, and this is not just because, I, you know, like I work with what's called. It's actually pretty interesting because the Hispanic people that I work with, the Latin Hispanic people I work with, they actually say that we're the ones that got our shit, our shit together when it comes to, like, you know, sticking together. And I, we look at them like, well, y'all got your shit together. Everybody, you know, it's like, you know, but. When you look at, I mean, and this is and this is like kind of like where it is is a struggle for me because when we talk about you know like the Black and Brown Coalition, it's like it's it's almost not as this like you, of course like what struggles with me is that when, with the Black and Brown Coalition, like people see me as like one of the, the good black people, you know, oh he's one of the good black people, so he's he's cool, you know, but that's no not problematic one, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that happened to me in so many, especially with, with you know, they say people, persons of color. It's like, I don't, you know, I say black, you know, when something black happens, it's not personal. It's like, no, black, it's just, we specifically have our own issues. So I I see it and I, and I, you know, applaud them for doing what they do. But we also understand that a lot of that wealth that they're building, all these things they're building is simply because they have, you know, more advantages when it comes to, um, like things just like like um like getting business loans. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's yeah. very big. You know, a lot of our 
I, I always joke about this when we look at how many things, like when we look see breweries get popped up, it'd be people who like just, oh, you want, they, oh, we just want to open a brewery and their brewery is decked out with everything they need. But when you see a black business want to open a lounge or something like that, it's like, it's almost like bare minimum. You know what I'm saying? They have, they, they don't have the same, the um, same, you know, variety of things that this other um, company, especially a white, you know, owner wants to have. And we're like, it's why? And it's because, you know, the banking, the loans and things that they get is, is so, is so skewed. I mean, a lot of times, you know, people who own business, especially brick and mortar business, they're really just, they're really like working to get by to make sure they don't foreclose. They're not making profit. So when you see a drink that's, you know, you go to one place, I, I love, I love like um, another one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I can go give me a lemon drop, lemon drop shop for six dollars mm-hmm. that same lemon drop shop at maybe up the street oh um and a black owned business like fifteen dollars mm-hmm. and i don't blame the black owned business it's yeah. because i know that they are really literally are doing this just to stay afloat mm-hmm. versus a, a you know white owned business that just you know can open two business back to back with loans and be just just flourishing they have better apr same credit, credit score, and yeah. everything yeah not even bad credit they can have the same credit they just they get better apr oh, on financing yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of our black businesses, they, they have great credit. They, they know it. They, and that's why I kind of sometimes I push back on the financial literacy piece that's getting pushed about black people because we have always been financially literate. There's, there, we open banks, you know, we had the Freeman Bank Borough. We had this thing. It's just the system literally, you know, does shit. I mean, was it, was it Bank of America or West Fargo literally just got deemed for how many people they were um, denying home loans to wow. in 2022. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? So like when Still we, doing this. Still yeah. This so when, when we see these, when we see these things, there's, a, there's so many resources out there that black Americans and I, and, and I want to, you know, not, not separating, you know, uh, the diaspora, but there's specifically when you have black Americans, what, what you would call like the descendant of slaves of American slavery, they're, struggling to get the same type of resources that other people that come over, you know, off the back of the you know, back of our work come over and they get. And all we're saying is that we want what's called, you know, when, when you go up like up north, you see a lot of, you know, uh, Caribbean Africans, they have their own businesses. You're like, how they have their own business? You know, it's like that is they get they, they have these resources that we're not getting. And that's why when you look into politics, you know, when I look at my politics, I specifically look for people who is pushing for black business. And I say black American businesses who who's fighting for reparations on our the Sherry Beasley, Ted Budd. There's another person that's, that's a Green Party um, representative. He's the only one that's literally speaking about reparations for um, the sin of the slaves. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a white man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it's like. You expect, you know, they expect us to, to blindly vote for them, but like you're not even looking at. And the thing is, he's also looking at criminal justice, like reform to the point of like it's going to help black men. Helping see, he literally has on this thing talking about like black men and how he's going to have, you know, help that. So I'm like, and nobody is so, like voting for him. No he's not. Oh, he's he's. He, I pre- I, if I was to you know tell everybody who he was, they'd be like, oh, I never heard. But you heard Sherry Beasley's head, but they're fighting. But if you look at it, what's called, there's really no black. American, you know, push. It's 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 only what the, the Democrats want to push in their whole thing. And it's their not whole agenda and it's just it's, like and their uh, agenda is not a black agenda. And people say, Oh, this will affect so yeah, it'll affect the rising tides, but we're specifically like it's there's so many ways that people are getting their own, you know, their own agenda, but not the black 
agenda specifically for black males. You know, they always say black men are lazy, but we're not lazy. We just don't have the same opportunities. You know, there, there's if you look at and just see how many opportunities there are for black women, which I always going to push. It's not just a, this is a, this is not a black women versus black women thing. It's just more so when the black man has the same opportunities, we all win. Yes. You know, we all win. I want those same opportunities. And I'm not saying that black women need to give up, give up the opportunity. I just say that the same opportunities that that, that black women are getting needs to be given to us, too. Like, I want both of us to, to be able to, you know, win. And so equally, but it's just like, you know, a lot of us have to work like 10 times, three times harder, three times to 10 times harder just to get somewhere in life and everything. And it's just like it just it kind of becomes more difficult. And I feel like that kind of messes up the the balance when it comes to black men and a black woman, of course, especially in the household, especially with a lot of black women getting not getting but earning um, much high paying jobs and everything. And a lot of us kind of like kind of stagnant, having to do other things. Uh, a lot of us turn to like selling drugs or doing all types of things just to really just try to be more and more competitive with other with each other and then that leads to a whole lot of dysfunction on that end um then you know we're no longer dating each other as often as i feel like we need to or not to stick together as much as we need to um and then it just it all just comes down to things like that you know like a woman are naturally hypergamous so they you know they gotta you know try to and it's not saying that it's just all about trying to get a man or whatever but at the same time while they're trying to build their education to like get more stuff for themselves to be more independent you know because that's what this this life to that's what this life uh, demands. You need that ed- education. You need to be more competitive. You know, if you want to get more out of life, it's becoming harder and harder to do so. And like for that, for males, it's getting even harder for us because we're not even seeking as much education as like you stated uh, earlier and stuff of that nature. You know, it's depressing. You know, that's just the system as it is. Uh, when it comes to solution, I haven't, I don't really know one off the top of my head because once again, I'm just a citizen in this society. Just one black man. I do, do my, we can go on about ideas and solutions and everything, but it's like, I feel like a lot of it really just stems from really just what can we do about the image process? Because it's like a lot of us, it's the first thing that we see. What do we do? about the image process like uh in regards to education black owned businesses you know financial literacy things of that nature because it's like you know i know a lot of people who don't want to make it through the butt actually earn their degree they'd rather scam or they'd rather sell drugs they'd rather do all this other extra stuff i was like dude just go to school and just get i know it's not it's not easy it's been even tough for me but it's like at the same time it's like you know, like, yeah, I just, I had to remain patient. You had to just get through the mud and just get through all the hard parts. Like, there ain't no easy way. And then the next thing you know, they end up giving up the freedom and end up in a situation they didn't have to, you know? I would say that when, you know, people say, you know, just, you know, go to school, get education, I think that's, like, not fair mm-hmm. to people because educate, because yeah. school is not for everyone. Exactly. Like, if I, if I, if I could honestly, truthfully go back and what I know now, I was still probably go to school because it was fun. I'm not gonna say that like HBU life was fun, and I also like working with, you know, in a psychology and, and counseling and whatnot. Oh yeah. But when I look at a lot of our, especially you know our our boys, they don't they it, it's not as hard. It's not as you know just go and push through. It's it's not because they want they want to be. I, I feel like a lot of black men want to be the the financial leaders that they've you know that they're grandparents and everybody I think but they don't want to be in that situation where they have to go through this and be in a place where they they sometimes don't feel welcome I mean or even that or even that that is whatever America's in debt and they still living so <laughs> it's more so I think it's because they just don't we we have to just you know 
just not say that just go to school and get education. You know, I think there needs to be there needs to be other routes for getting to what they say, getting to the bag, mm-hmm. you know, but because it's not it's not pushed out there in the way it's like when we see people who are scammers or doing things, it's I look at it as like, yes, what you're doing is wrong, but you have the talent to be able to do something right. And I think that's, you know, when they get put in jail, jail is supposed to be rehabilitation, but they're not, they're just using it for labor. So what what are we doing when we see these children that are, you know, off, you know, off the, the I guess the, the path that they need to be on? We're just throwing them in jail and saying they're a menace to society. It, it, there, there has to be something else, and there is other places. But that's where it goes back to those resources to be able to say, "Dang, you're able to crack into so and so so account." Hmm. Would you like to go to this program for cybersecurity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this person that's able to do this, they're they're making money because you know they 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 use those skills. I mean, to to be able to to break into you know codes and do all this stuff, that's a skill. A lot when you look at people in jail when they're doing a lot. If you ever like just look at what they're creating in jail and whatnot, these are people that have skills, that have talent. But because the rehab rehabilitation is not being real, yeah. or before when they were when they were younger and that creativity that they were showing, you know, was themed as just you know being menaces. It wasn't you know cultivated into something positive. So. I don't. I wouldn't say school is just a you know the 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 American education education system way is not just the the way that we gotta look at it because if that's the case, then we are gonna see a little more people in jail than anything. Yeah, no, seriously, and like even on the 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 show uh, Atlanta, which I, I'm sure you're familiar with, mm-hmm. like like I know you remember the episode. I need to watch that show again. Cause I haven't seen it in a while. Um, kind of the new season coming out. But seriously, like when uh, Paperboy was put in jail in the Netherlands, they treated him not only like a human being, but it, it acted like a rehabilitation process. Mm-hmm. And compared to America, where it's just just full on racial human rights violations and everything of that nature, and it's just crazy how the system is is set up and everything. And it's just like you know. Do you feel like maybe we just need to just relocate like somewhere else and everything to be like, uh, you know, to get the benefits of that society? Let's say, uh, yeah, the Netherlands or whatever, or it's just like no, because if you, that that was funny with the the, the thing with uh, Atlanta, but if you actually look into the realistic, Netherlands has actually started changing their um their jailing policy. That that all that apartment type style rehabilitation is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, let me say that back. If you look into it, the citizens of Netherlands, the the people who are like from Netherlands, they're still getting that. But the people of color are actually getting inhumane um, things. So it's not a move. Anti-blackness is, is worldwide. Anti-blackness is worldwide, even in majority black which, um, countries. Um, <laughs> you look and you go into the Caribbean, you see anti-blackness. Uh, there was a piece that I just watched because Argentina one of my coworkers in Argentina, and she was saying, yeah, you know, that they literally were trying to whitewash black Argentinians. It was it, it was to a point that they even had the forum that said that a white man, a white Argentinian, I believe, said that there's no black people in Argentina. There's like a whole group of black Argentinians sitting right in front of them. So it's not about movement. It's about, I believe that, and, you know, I believe it needs to be a change in who we are elected officials. And that's why I say that, if we really want to, and this is my opinion, I I, I love Malcolm X. I think his his ballot, uh, the ballot of the bullet was one of the best things that ever happened because we give our vote to anybody that's just on a ticket that is a Democrat or if you're conservative or Republican and neither side is doing anything. Mm-hmm. That's why when I hear people saying, oh, I'm off the plantation, Democrat plantation, I say, you just went to Candyland. <laughs> you, you still on the plantation. 
they're not they're not there's no black agenda It's you know there has to be a change in, in political um, allegiances and until that happens we're just going to be a puppet without you know a puppet with strings on and we ain't even getting paid for our show no seriously i voted for howie hawkins last time i don't know why everybody was complaining or so of joe biden's you know, behind over everything, you know, because it's like, yeah, I know, I get he was like, you know, behind Barack Obama and everything, but I feel like we really could have done a little bit better if we just invested our vote into somebody that's not, you know, pushed by corporations or was not like a long time, like, you know, politician. And Howie Hawkins would have been the best choice, uh, in my opinion, at that point. But, you know, it's just like we live in a social media age. So let's try making things popular. Like, literally, we even let one white girl going like the period at period uh, and she's like now a celebrity now it's like but y'all can't put like the right people in office you know i mean yeah. it's sad but it's just that's just the reality of the situation you know and like i know you've overcome like a our hour time stand so we need to start oh. reeling it in pretty soon i mean if you got any final opinion you're free to state them right quick before we go off you know and stuff. But um like, now you know this this is fun where you know give my my voice you know i, I talk a lot anyway so okay. it's, it's always you it's know good. Fun. i prefer it because then it's easier to get yeah. more content in but it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's so it's good to be positive, but I just think that you know my biggest thing is is I know my lot in place, um, and my lot in place is really helping you know black boys see you know a difference and what they're you know what they're you know used to. Uh-huh. Um, I would say we as Black Americans we need to Black America you know, and I say that in you know including the whole diaspora that are in America. You know, we just gotta do better when it comes to who. We put into our you know, our politics. We need to do better when we are, you know, going against each other. I hate the diaspora wars that we see on social media. I hate the 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 diaspora wars that we see in homes. I just think we need to do better. But you know, my biggest thing is that we need to, you know, do better amongst our children, our black girls and our black boys. Like we have to start, you know, doing right by them. The best way to do it is to honestly go against what the American education system is portraying as quote unquote education. Yeah, couldn't have said it better, man. Okay. Um, but that's it from the Mental Thuds Podcast. I appreciate you, Harrison Horn, for hopping on for episode one hundred seventeen and everything. You know, this education system, I'm glad my socials. Uh, do you want to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, sure. All right. If you want to, you can follow me on Instagram at Malcolm underscore the letter X silence. Uh-huh. Uh X C E L L E N C E, um, TikTok, you know, counselors of TikTok. Okay. I definitely, you know, say a lot of things on there too. Uh, so, like I said, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, you enjoyed your first podcast experience and everything. I hope maybe to see you for season three, maybe next year. You can go into more detail, maybe when I bring more videos and stuff of that nature. It was good speaking to you about a lot of these matters. I feel like education system, especially like for like this generation, I know you're a little bit older and everything in your 30s. So it's like at least you've probably seen a little bit more out of life and how things are. And also from a perspective of a counselor, I feel like it's very crucial for us to really like really delve deeper into like the education system relations in regards to diaspora and uh, stuff of that nature I'm trying to configure what solutions could help us along our way but I appreciate you propping on and uh, that's it for this episode of the Mental Threads podcast we're sewing in and now we're sewing out <laughs>